I'm Scott Flora, and this is The Prayer Focus. Join me on a journey of discovery in learning to grow in prayer as I sit down with pastors, leaders, and missions directors and learn from them on how to apply practical, real-world revelation to our everyday lives. As an intercessor and a prayer pastor, one of my chief aims is to continually grow in prayer. I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to have all of my prayers be powerful, effective, and answered. As the disciples walked with Jesus for a few years, they saw the life that He lived, they saw His miracles, and they saw His authority, and they had one request, teach us to pray. Let's get started. Okay, this is the Prayer Focus, Richie Clark, and we're talking about the praying church. Yeah, awesome, man. It's so good to be here, Scott. We got yeah. to connect on the phone a, a while back and just yeah. follow each other on Facebook, and there's a lot of resonation there. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for joining. So today we're um, going to go after um, the praying church, what God is saying to the church about um, devotion, union, communion with the Lord and one another. And so um, this is going to be fun. So Richie and I, um, like he said, are we're connected through Facebook and mutual friends. And so um, he is a local pastor in Texas and has just been around the prayer missions worship movement for a long time. The call, IHOP, um, lots of different things. And so Richie, yeah. Just take, just take a second and let us know a little bit about the last 20 years of history in God with you. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's definitely been an adventure. Um, I tell a lot of people I'm a first generation Christian, which means, you know, I came straight from the world, got saved at a teen camp. And, and I used to have a band called Toxic Crayolas in high school. <laughs> and, oh so, and we would play nothing but like Nirvana covers and all this stuff. And so I get rat, I get like saved. And I never changed the audience. I just kept playing music, started writing music, uh, ended up being a youth pastor for about seven years. And and uh, what was so cool is around 2002, we decided, hey, we want to go on the road and just spread revival. We were a bunch of intercessors. And we said, we're intercessors disguised as a band. And so we would literally be intercessors and play in clubs. We play all we play at like a Christian conference and then a club late that night. And we did that, dude, it was just so fun. And what happened, we did about 10 years of that, and we kept having kids and eventually slowed us down. But um, what was super cool, uh, Scott, during that time is I got connected with Lou Engel and The Call. And so we ended up traveling to be at all the different call events, and spontaneously, one event in the the Rose Bowl in 2003, we got asked to lead worship. And uh, we just been connected with those guys ever since, and just I've just been screened so much. Uh, from Lou Engel and the prayer movement. And long story short, I ended up around 2007 in uh, Kansas City, and the call had moved to Kansas City. And so, uh, long, you know, I ended up serving IHOP for seven years as well as doing what our band was called was Radiant Worship. And so, um, yeah, I got to do IHOP seven years, ended up running their teen camp, and uh, my wife and I felt like we wanted to go back home to Texas after about seven years of that. And so we, uh, 2015, we planted a church uh, within a church here. It's called Freedom Church uh, in Texas. And it's just been, you know, it had all its challenges in the beginning, but it's been really, really, really powerful. And it's become very life-giving for us. And we're seeing a lot of fruit on the vine and whatnot. And so we're praying church, you know, um, 
we're, we're not, we're trying to follow Jesus just like you guys are talking about. And, you know, sometimes the reformation means uh, reforming, returning to Jesus. And so that's what we're doing, having a good time. So that's all, that's a little bit about me. Uh, there you go. I'm, I'm still new at this switching thing. So I appreciate yeah. your patience there, but, um, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. So today, uh, um, Richie, I want to, I want to talk about, um, about a praying church and I have a lot of questions. I've never been a senior pastor. I've been a intercessory missionary planting houses of prayer. And just a few years ago, um, about three years ago, um, the Lord uh, united our hearts and vision and functionality here at Eagle Mountain um, Apostolic Resource Center in Bend, Oregon. And we have a heart for um, connecting people to the vision of God and and planting a prayer furnace that is collaborated and is planted inside of a local church. And that local church body is giving themselves to prayer, which is completely different than a standalone house of prayer. It's, um, it's completely different. It, it, it's, it's slower. I think it's better. I think it's right. Um, it, it's just a lot different. And so I wanted to talk to you because I'm new to this local church, never been a senior pastor, been house of prayer, intercessory missionary. We've done lots of things, planted, strengthened houses of prayer all over America and the nations. It's been an amazing uh, 12-year journey of faithfulness with the Lord. But I wanted to hear from you a little bit. What does it look like in a local church um, to really go after the place of prayer. Cause it's like, what do we spend our energy on Sunday morning or during the week? Do we get, right. you know, I mean, there's so many questions that have to do with relationality and, and I want to, I want to go after some heart issues in a moment, but I want to talk a little bit for a second about, um, functionality. What does that look like for freedom church? How have, right. how has the Lord led you guys to creating kind of a culture of prayer kind of in-house? Absolutely. Well, Scott, you said something powerful you, you, as you were talking about the house of prayer being in the church and like, hey, I think this kind of works. I want to just put some exclamation points behind that. You know, we, I too spent years, I've probably ministered at 20, 30 houses of prayer in the nation. And, and back in the oh zeros or whatever we call that decade, the idea was that the house of prayer was the center of prayer for the community. And so most people are trying to get other churches to come and participate in their thing. And, and I think it had its season, but when you tap into prayer being integral to the life of the church, now you're talking about the, the biblical church or how God wants it. A lot of parachurch ministries are actually supplemental ministries to things that the local church should be engaged in, like in fivefold ministry. So um, how that it shows up in, in our realm, it's just amazing to have prayer as part of your discipleship. Uh, in other words, you know, most of my spiritual language that I developed, you know, over all the years we were in prayer came from prayer meetings or came from praying the scriptures. So when I'm praying the scriptures, suddenly I, I'm more aware and more in tune with the heart of God. It's actually part of my discipleship as a, as a believer. And my, my heart begins to resonate, if you will, with heaven uh, because I'm praying God's heart. And so I see, I see prayer as not a side ministry, but integral to um, discipleship. And of course, there are many aspects to prayer, but when you talk about house of prayer, most commonly you're talking about corporate prayer. And so that's the two or more agreed together. Mm -hmm. So that that's part of what we've seen um, at Freedom. It's just, be, it was a pretty natural fit. Um, I've, I've been the senior pastor at Freedom Church for seven years. 
and coming this June. And it's a, it was a very wow. natural fit to, to integrate prayer into the church. And so when you walk into Freedom Sunday morning, for example, it's just going to be everywhere. So you're going to come in. If you come in at 10, there's an open prayer meeting on the platform 20 minutes before service starts. And, and we're praying, and, and, and our prayer time isn't all intercession rah-rah, which I do believe there's times for that. But it'll ebb and flow. And, uh, and sometimes we're just waiting on the Lord. Uh, so, you know, prayer kind of has this beautiful kaleidoscope to it when you, when you understand and study how God can interact with us, but, and we with him. So that's what happens. You come in, it's all, it's obviously a prayer culture. And then during the main services themselves, uh, we lead like probably might be considered a traditional service, though we were very, we'll flow if the spirit's moving this way, you know, we'll pray for healing. We'll let that interrupt us and try to navigate that, but we'll, we'll launch into intercession regularly. In other words, like the Ukraine last Sunday, mm-hmm. I'm at we're at song three or four in worship, and I felt a window to pray. So I get up, I put on, you know, I've got a lot of hats because uh, I'm bald. So, uh, but I put on my, I put on my intercessor hat, and I get up and and I invite people, and we turn it into a prayer meeting for the Ukraine, Come on. Come and on. it's in Sunday celebration service. And so it's just it ha- it has to become integral to everything you're doing, and then there's aspects of of course meeting together because two or more in the prayer of agreement we got to agree with each other, agree with God. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's that's my my long answer, if you will, is uh, integrating it as part of your discipleship, not seeing it mm-hmm. as a side ministry, mm-hmm. recognizing this is integral. Um, I know I'm putting a lot of exclamation points on that same idea. Yeah. To how how we're how we're raising up people, you got to mm-hmm. raise them up right, you know. Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. that's a little bit about what we're doing. We do have prayer meetings, and I'm sure there's a lot mm-hmm. we can converse a bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, you said something that I just love to to hit on is because you you said Sunday morning celebration service. There's right. so many people and and in the body of Christ in the Western Church at large today. There's a lot of people that um, uh, kind of. I I don't know who who am I to judge, but it feels that. Um, there's an incorrect or an inaccurate view of Sunday morning um, service right. being a time of of learning and equipping. And I actually think there's a there's a value to that, and there's even a place for that. But I just love that you said Sunday morning celebration service because it's less of equipping and less of disciples because there's probably not much actual life on life discipleship that actually happens within Sunday morning, although you know, layer on layer, we get that, you know, little by little, line upon line. But Sunday morning can't be the place of discipleship and the learning of new information. It has to be celebrating what God is doing and getting confirming words along the way that layer on top of our personal devotional life. Because if Sunday morning becomes just the place where we crack our Bible open and we learn, then we're actually not growing. All we're doing is just staying out of hell's fire for the next week. So, you know, talk just a little bit about what you just said about Sunday morning being this celebration moment and not necessarily a place where discipleship comes from. Absolutely. Yeah, and that is a big part of one of the things I believe the Lord's reforming within the church. Um, And and often the biggest threat to our existing structures isn't the outside, it's Jesus himself, uh, because he's the great reformer. And so he's he's reforming the church, and he's he's asking us this question too. Um, And so what, what you're referring to is a Sunday morning celebration. Some of that is just appropriate 
uh, subtext to what what is really happening here. Like, is this a, are we going to create codependent Christians of ourselves, or are we going to make disciples of Jesus? And so that's really pulling it all the way back to why we say Sunday celebration. It's learning that subtext that hey, we're actually celebrating what God has done Monday through Saturday. Um, where it's a time of, of testimony. It's a time of the corporate presence because we're all worshiping together. But we meet in homes throughout the week at Freedom Church, and so when we're meeting at homes and then we're coming together, it's again reemphasizing that we're not we're, the church is meeting together today. We're not going to church. Um, we are the church. And mm-hmm. so it's the same, it's just mm-hmm. little, su- it's cultural subtext because all of us that are really going deep and saying, I want the real thing. I want Jesus. That's always been in my heart, real, you know, fiery like that. Um, we're having to ask these questions and we're also accountable for new believers. And so what kind of world do we want to raise new believers in? Uh, do we want to teach them to be codependent on us mm-hmm. or do we want to want to actually lead them to Jesus? And so that's yeah. some of the ideas yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. So tell me a little bit about, and I know that we're all developing and we're all new and we're all growing and stuff. So tell me about what it looks like. Um, and then, um, yeah, where I'm going with this is um, what God is saying to the church at large. Now, each individual um, gathering of spiritual families, each congregation, the Lord is leading, but the Lord is leading the larger hurl. So tell me, tell me how it looks like at Freedom Church and some of your heart around, you know, week to week. We're not asking people, hey, go to work and get your money so you can have, you know, and we're going to pray a little bit on Sundays. So what does, right. you know, what is a day in the week? What is the week in the life? Sure. Of um of Freedom Church look like, or what's what's your heart of where you'd like to go? Maybe not yeah, absolutely. there yet. Well, we definitely with the with the 2020 shakeup, rather than put everything back in place, because in our world it, it did affect us. Um, we fasted 21 days and we say, God, what do you want the church to look like? We did this in October 2020. And so we've made a huge pivot because it's one thing to be like mad at the church and be in the grandstands and you know throwing Coke cans and beer bottles, but it's another to be on the field saying I've committed to be on the field with this. So this is actually my problem too. And so we sought the Lord and we pivoted. We basically are, we're only a year and a half in. We said, we're going to, we're going to do the acts Four. they met from house to house and they gathered in the temple daily. And our vision at freedom is to plant 100 neighborhood lighthouses uh, all around our region and so these lighthouses meet throughout the week, and that's where we're doing the biggest part of church. And it's mm-hmm. groups about, actually, our lighthouses are too full right now. We've actually lost, so, so we have to plant more because there's like, if you have 20 people at a lighthouse, 25, it's a different. So we're trying to get it to 10. But we've already, just in a year and a half, we now have seven lighthouses, and they meet on Tuesday nights and on Thursday nights. And it's actually part of our whole culture. Like, you, you at least attend a lighthouse here and there. But that's this deeper level of discipleship that's taking place. And most of the testimonies uh, that we're hearing on Sunday celebration are from the lighthouses. Like this last Sunday, someone way too casually told me somebody got healed of cancer at the light, one of the lighthouses I'm healing. Uh, I'm reading it. And they were like, yeah, so-and-so got healed of cancer. They said, what? Hold up. <laughs> so I, I hunted him down during the worship time. And I found them. I said, tell me what happened. And they literally had a, you know, a a physical cancer. So that's a testimony on Sunday. There's Mm -hmm. your celebration. Hey, God healed me in the house because the church was in the house this week. Mm -hmm. So that, that had to shift even to create room for Mm -hmm. biblical prayer models. 
Mm-hmm. So we had to shift away from consumer church mm-hmm. and start, and, and, and we paid a price for it, but we're also seeing mm-hmm. fruit for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's just been so cool. People come in our environment. They know you're kind of here to get equipped. And, you know, the, the, the highest place you grow in leadership isn't with the microphone. It's probably giving your house over for your neighborhood and shepherding your neighborhood, oh. you know? Yikes. You know, so that, Ouch. Yeah, that that's, one, that's, that, that one hurts, Richie. Now you're, now you're messing, you're messing with my life now, Richie. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we, that, that's part of our week to week. And and within that we're incorporating prayer, but we're only Scott, you mm. know, I've been pastor in seven years. We're only a year and a half into committing to this, but there's fire on it. There's mm. grace on it. And, mm. you know, mm. I think, I think we're going to, it's going to be something that hopefully we can help others with. Yeah. I, I, I've given my life to prayer rooms, to the reality of um, the Lord um, uh, shoulder tapping me and saying, I really want a real friendship with my people, starting with you. You're one of my people. And, um, but I've also noticed I come from the recovery community. I was pastor's son. I lost my ball in the tall, tall weeds for a while and, um, about seven years of giving my life to, um, uh, sin and unrighteousness. And the Lord broke in in a moment and redeemed me, rescued me out of that pit that I was in. And ever since that moment, I've been addicted to this beautiful man, Christ Jesus, And um, I see that there is lots of father heart wounds. There's lots of things that have limited me from my relationship with the Lord. But the further I go in the Lord, the more I understand that this is really about life transformation. This is being shaped into the image of the Son. And I know that a lot of that comes from my personal um, uh, daily prayer life with the Lord that also comes with me serving and giving myself away to other people who need acts of ser- service or mercy deeds. Mm. Um, it also comes from me being in a corporate prayer environment with other people and learning how to give and take and yield my what my will to what somebody else is praying for or about an agreement in prayer and um. There's so many aspects to discipleship, but it also means having other people in my life who are ruthlessly helping me ruthlessly deal with perspectives that are not kingdom. And Mm -hmm. we call that transformation. We call that discipleship. We call that being transformed in in our mind and in our thinking. So how does the prayer reality and the prayer culture of um, Freedom Church translate to the life on life, doing life together, calling people out in accountability, the whole life of Christ of being transformed into Jesus? How does Sunday morning prayer culture that you're cultivating, your Tuesdays and Thursdays um, lighthouse groups, how does that translate to the life on life learning and growing together in relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. And and you're really asking a question about like, how do we get to where we're actually being the church? And so part, part of that, the reason we made that pivot is to create space for that to actually be true. That, that like, for example, I live on Churchville. Uh, we have a great, great location, great 
whatever, but there are literally hundreds of churches where we're at. It is so saturated. It's not where I would normally just, if I was a missionary mindset pick, it's a great spot, but people aren't taught that, Hey, to be a part of the church means I'm actually a spiritual member and of relationships. So it's, so it's, it has to be integral that relationships are what we're doing. And so when I'm in a lighthouse, which is our primary mechanism for this. We're now cutting out so much programmatic stuff that we've been doing because we're expecting the lighthouses to meet most of those needs. For example, somebody's sick. They don't call the church office and find the, the sick ministry. They call their lighthouse, and that's relationship, and that's number one. Now, that's not 100% true all the time, but 80% is, is our goal, <laughs> that most actual, uh, most actual shepherding is taking place within the, the small groups. And so it's just, it's allowing space for people to be, I'm in an environment to grow and minister. And and it just has to get decentralized that way. So that's when I talk about prayer ministry, we're even like, where is this going? Because we've, we've so decentralized and departmentalized in certain ways mm-hmm. that we're seeing prayer happen so much more naturally. Like mm-hmm. so much more organically. And I'm talking about, you know, a small group like two weeks ago, the lady got healed of cancer. All that was going on was we were worshiping. I wasn't leading worship. I was just helping and and the spirit was moving. I said, let's just press in a little further. And this is one of those packed mm-hmm. out lighthouses. So we had 30 of us and we just let in. And then I felt mm-hmm. a moment of intercession. We actually prayed over the, the church. But in that environment, God's moving, people get healed. Uh, and you're doing prayer, but it's a, it's the church being in small groups. So mm-hmm. I don't think the answer to everything is small groups. And I'm totally not the small group guy, which is amazing yeah. that I'm even <laughs> talking this way. But it, this is this is five years of me asking questions, mm-hmm. having an inherited pretty much a consumer church. And mm-hmm. so I had to make sense of what's my problem and what's the problem, right? Yeah. And and then and then learn to reevaluate. So this is kind of taking yeah. care of itself, but it's the wisdom of scripture, but it's just kind of right there in your face. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. House to house. So that's my long answer. We are on a podcast format, so I don't yeah. feel too bad about taking that much time. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, what would you say are your, um, like, I, I have a couple of scriptures, Richie, that the Lord has just worked in my heart, you know, uh, John 15 and John 17 and Malachi 11 and, and, you know, a- 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 Amos 9 11. And we have all of the scriptures that really, you know, Revelation 4 and 5, we have all of the scriptures that we, that the Lord begins to build this foundations of, layers of these foundations that inform us remind us of where we're supposed to be why it's important all of those things what do you what do you feel like you're you know we're talking about you know this is the prayer focus so we're talking about corporate prayer we're talking about personal prayer we haven't really talked about your personal prayer life and what you really want to go but before we go i want to know about that in a moment but what sure. are maybe one or two key scriptures that you go, this is what I really feel God is having us go about and be about in, in this season? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and you, you said it a little bit, but this corporate prayer, which is us coming together in agreement, um, you know, I would, as uh, simple as it's been, I've been really jamming on when when Paul says we're being built as a living stones, as a dwelling mm-hmm. place of God, the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we've been at right now is that our mm-hmm. unity, because unity comes, if you see it this way, unity comes before 
It's not always, it can be the result of revival, but often we can choose unity. And then there in that place, the Lord commands blessing. But this idea of prayer as living stones, particularly to corporate prayer, um, is, is massive because the, the Lord wants a, I believe, a fireplace for the fire. Otherwise, the fire just burns it down. So that fireplace is us being prepared as a people of prayer and hosting his presence. And that's been so, that's like, as someone that's come from blow it up, environments where let's just find a target and scream it out, you know, and, and that can be helpful for me to say, man, mostly I want to host his presence and make room for him to be him is, is, is a, is a shift for me, but it has been, it's been very powerful and God's, uh, we're just learning to, to move with him. So scripture wise, you know, corporate prayer, two or more, uh, big picture wise, I I'm right tracking with you. You said, um, uh, I think you said Malachi one eleven, which is incense will be offered in my name in every place. So it's this idea that Jesus actually returns on the prayers of the saints. Mm-hmm. And so in that incense in every place, isn't little temples being built. It's we're the temples. And so that's, that's the mission of Jesus is to, to release worship, you know? So yeah. yeah, I see, I see the Lord returning on our prayers on the big picture sense. Yeah. This, this global cry, come Lord Jesus spirit yeah. and the bride. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, we have about four minutes less before we need to transition and, and release everybody else um, to the rest of their day. But I really want to hear about your personal prayer life, how, how the Lord has worked that in you, and what you're attempting to inspire your leaders and, and all of the people that are part of your spiritual family at, at Freedom. So yeah. in, in that in that order, I'd love to know about, you know, we're only as good as the leaders, you know, we're only, right. you know, the a chain is only as strong as the weakest link, you know, we have all of those, right. you know, ideas that we know. But tell me just a little bit about your personal prayer life and how you're inspiring your leaders and what you really hope that all of the people that call freedom home, mm-hmm. what you're what you're hoping that that equals. Absolutely. There's a statement uh, you guys might have studied. Pete Scazzaro, he's got a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Mm-hmm. And he has a statement. He says, we have to learn to be before doing, being mm-hmm. before doing, being before doing. So in my own life and with our leaders, we we can impart, I believe the Spirit of God of grace could come on anyone at any point and prophesy through a donkey. But in general, we impart what we are, uh, mm-hmm. and we can only give what we have. And so often in church cultures the you know martha mindset is do 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 because i'm i'm reaching for something but i have to be before i do that's where burnout happens is when mm-hmm. i don't have this you know if you take matthew 25 this way i i or i don't have this oil in my lamp and so if there's not oil in my lamp if i'm not consciously stewarding my inner life i really will burn out and i'll be giving out of a place that's that's dead right and so I want to. I want people to benefit from the overflow of my life in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like when I go somewhere and preach, or I lead worship outside of freedom, I want people to benefit from the fact that I have a closet life with Jesus. Right. Right. And so, th- but that general idea ingrained in all discipleship. Like I told our students last night, I actually got to speak at our youth group. It was fun, kind of very throwback. Uh, but I said, I said, go get a prayer life, and that was kind of the whole message: is get your own prayer life. But the, the idea is I, I can't, I've got to make disciples of Jesus, not of myself. So I'm, yeah. I'm teaching people to, to drink from the well themselves. And that shouldn't be a threat to churches. That should be the goal is yeah. that people can drink from the well 
themselves. So to my life, it's, it's integral because, um, you know, I, I think of the reality of I have nothing to give if I'm not being, I, I can't just do, and I will burn out. Mm-hmm. And so my prayer life is there's a necessity aspect to it. And then there's a devotional aspect, which has is the funnest for me. Because mm-hmm. the devotional, mostly I experience surrender. I experience God's peace. You know, I've learned to walk under a banner of His love. I'm, I'm one that grew up fatherless. And so I've learned to live under this radiance of God's love. And then I try to live from that love, not for it, right? Yeah. So, so this is all the being before doing, as we talk about on discipleship. I, I just spent six months going real deep on that, and it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. We have about 30, 25 seconds left here in our um, time, but could you um, pray for us to grow in prayer and um, that churches, senior pastors like you, would learn to um, lead their people in that place? Don't worry about the time. Just, Just pray. Sure, I'll say a prayer. Absolutely. Well, Father, I thank you for everyone listening that by divine order tuned into this podcast. Lord, that they would feel the fire of your spirit drawing them to that secret place of prayer. Lord, I thank you that your word says that if my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, and we know if it's not a house of prayer, it's not your house. And so, Lord, we ask for that Mm. fire of love, that fire of devotion, and that Mm. faith to gather together to be living stones, to be the dwelling place of Mm. God in the Spirit. Would you just release a spirit of prayer Mm. on every listener and inspire us to go deep in Jesus, even in times of confusion, that we know your word says in Hebrews 12, to look to me the author and finisher of our faith. And so we look to Jesus in that place of prayer and we trust that you're leading us, Lord, to a place of vibrant, maturing, radiant love. And we thank you, God. Lead us, oh God. Bless everyone. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. So thanks for listening, guys. This has been another episode of The Prayer Focus and um, looking forward to coming to you next week. So until then, see you in the prayer room.